Warning, this show has been known to cause certain side effects in listeners and participants alike. Symptoms include a positive outlook on life, wanting to try new things, and a renewed faith in humanity. Enjoy at your own risk. Hey there, and welcome to the I Like to Like Things podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and thanks for joining me. I don't think I have to tell you that the world can be a dark and scary place for us all, and I'm here to help you get through the miasma of that negativity one episode at a time. Now, to accomplish this, I have a guest tell me about their favorite thing, and we get to share in their enthusiasm. Now, the catch is I'm not already a fan of their thing. However, I've learned that it's easy to like something as long as I had an excited person explaining why it was great. And so this podcast and all its potential positive feelings is born from that. Now for today's episode, we have the host of the Fans About Films podcast, Lasse Folkt. Lasse, how's it going? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for having me. This is uh, this is an absolute treat. I'm, I'm very excited about your thing. Uh, I think we're going to have a really good time. But please tell everyone about your, your podcast because I know you have several. <laughs> I do have several, yes. Well, um, I am hosting the Fans About Films podcast by myself. Uh, we talk about films, TV shows, and soundtracks there. I also interview um, film composers there. I already, for example, I had uh, Matthew Marcheson, the co-composer of uh, Kingsman, of the Kingsman films. And uh, as a guest there, uh, my uh, most recent guests were the composers of the Witcher Netflix TV series. Which were absolutely amazing. Oh, I guests. love that. <laughs> yeah, they were great. Yeah, the Witcher soundtrack is incredible. Did they write the uh, uh, toss a coin to your Witcher song as well? Yeah, they they co-wrote that. Yeah, and also the uh, the co-composer uh, Sonia Belosova. She uh, sang all of the female uh, voice parts in all of the soundtracks and the songs. That is an incredible score and soundtrack for that show. Uh, it's one of the things I liked most about that show. Yeah, uh, and that that toss a coin here, that toss a coin here with your song that got stuck in my head for weeks, for weeks. <laughs> that was stuck in my head in a good way. In a oh good yeah, way. absolutely. No, it's it has, it has become an evergreen before the show even started. So yeah, uh, it's a bummer because you are such a big fan of soundtracks of movies, and that was something that you want to talk about. But obviously, I try and have people on that aren't something that I'm not already a fan of. And I told you that me and my my brother, Nick, who was actually on an episode a couple months ago, we play a game where it's guess that soundtrack or that score, and we'll send it back to each other. And so we play that, we played that for decades. And so yeah. you're a man after my own heart. <laughs> yeah, I do that. I do it with I do it with friends and my brother uh, all the time. Who who usually wins between you and your and your friends and your brother? Oh, uh, with with me and my friends, it's um, I have a one one specific friend who I play with all the time. Like we, we send each other sound clips over Facebook, and uh, it it really depends on what we have heard because there are just so many soundtracks and some things we just haven't listened to yet. So I think it's pretty equal. With my brother, it's it's not as uh, common, but uh, whenever we find the time, like I have three brothers, and with with some of them I do that, and even my 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 smallest brother, uh, which just. Uh, 
which is gonna turn like 14 this year. He uh, he's also pretty good in spotting certain soundtracks. Uh, but yeah, I mean it's it's mostly my thing. But they also join in on the fun whenever I want. That's good brothers. That's just good brothers. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm one of three brothers, so I totally understand. So in your other podcast is a Christmas podcast, which yeah. I love Christmas so much. So this is great. Yeah, uh, I'm the co-host of It's a 90s Christmas podcast. I uh, do it together with uh, Lyle Perez, uh, who actually lives in America. He was looking for a co-host and uh, he found me, or um, as we already clarified in another episode, I was the only one who responded, so he picked me. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's how it went. And uh, uh, what was fun about that show, or what is fun about the show, currently we are on a break because he just moved and has has to settle in. And uh, we, we haven't been able to record anything new, but there are a few episodes in stock and we will come back later to that. But what, what's funny about that show is because he wanted to talk about uh, Christmas nostalgia in the 90s from the 90s and so we cover movies uh, sitcoms and tv specials from the 90s and um it wouldn't have been that special i guess if it wasn't if it weren't for the fact that his co-host was actually german and i could bring some really new um takes on that like i i can always explain was this show available in germany if so when where what was the or, uh, german title of the show did it have a different title uh, do I have a certain history with that? And also I can talk about like certain other Christmas traditions and all of that. And so American listeners can learn something new from a totally different culture. And that's what's making our podcast pretty unique amongst the Christmas podcasts because there are so many of them. And yeah, that's that's the fun of all of that. When when Elise and I and my wife were deciding on what our next podcast was going to be when, when we started I Like to Like Things, one of our first ideas was to do call it like christmas christmas town usa and just do christmas uh you know 365 days a year and podcasts like how we kept the spirit of christmas alive year round and then we went online to look to see if there were shows like that and my gosh they had entire networks devoted to christmas and we're like oh okay i guess we're not as we're not as clever as we thought we were and like even you you're even more clever than we are it was, so it, this is amazing what's a good example of of a very famous um uh, like 90s american christmas and how did it turn out in german like what's what, what's like one and like how it was different like what's one that you can think of uh, very, very different. I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, it, it always comes down to like uh, titles, of course. So, for example, um, the movie Home Alone. We covered Home Alone in an early episode. And uh, Home Alone has a different title uh, in Germany. In Germany, it's called Kevin Allein zu Hause, which translates to Kevin Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's so good. <laughs> it is funny. It is uh funny about the translations it's just like it, of course it makes sense like why would it it's that's all you've known it as and then over here i just love those i love how that always works oh, yeah. well okay i want to talk about your thing so this is a perfect segue into it it, it is a very niche thing so uh, and i i think it's going to really make me look at, at at movies a whole different way so so lasse what is your thing well my thing, uh, which I want to talk about today, is... Title sequences. This was incredible when you mentioned it to me. And 
when I mentioned it to Elise, she was so intrigued. And because I'm not going to lie, most of the time, I skip over these. <gasps> I want you to, I know. And, I, and so that's a gasp. So how did this become something that you really cared about? Well, um, as a kid, you don't even notice titles, right? It's just a bunch right. of written words you can't read, obscuring some artwork, a montage, or like the first scenes of a film. Um, and as a kid, you know, you start to watch shows and movies pretty early on, depending on where you live, of course, and how your parents feel about it. But yeah, but that's, that's how you discover films, and usually films have title sequences. And so I first realized that title what titles actually were after I watched some films by the director Tim Burton because most Burton films have opening credits distinct ones too that's true because most of uh, because most of them feature cool and weird visuals and also a Danny Elfman score which kind of unifies them so through Burton I learned to understand the value of opening titles and I also discovered the value of end titles naturally because of that but that was mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, Tim Burton that was the first director where like uh, and even my parents pointed it out it's like oh yeah it's, it's pretty easy to spot a Tim Burton movie because of how he does the titles and I think that's where I kind of slowly was intrigued by that art form uh, but I, I can't remember how old I was and it, it just got stronger and stronger I think like from the 2010s on maybe when I really learned to appreciate them as the art form they were I'm thinking right now the first one that comes to mind when you talk about the Tim Burton is 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 Beetlejuice and I oh, remember yeah. it is you're right it is the slow crawl over the whole town which you end up seeing is a model and you're right that is something that would stick in your brain um, that's you're right that's amazing and of course you, you, you speak about Danny Elfman and Danny Elfman is just incredible and has done so many amazing movies. I, but other than those, I, it's so hard for me to think of a title sequence that isn't something from like Disney, um, from back in the in the, like early Disney. So like, what made you really pay attention to that? I think it was basically the idea of titles themselves, like how I learned to appreciate them because. Um, when you break it down, titles are a chance to introduce the audience to the world of the film. Opening titles, at least. They function as an overture, basically, while showing mm -hmm. you the cast and the most important members of the crew who brought you the story you are about to see. And uh, they are also a chance for the composer to shine or to play a cool song, which is related to the plot of the world of the movie. And uh, that's, that's basically what you notice after a while, like when you also learn how to read and you realize, oh, that's actually words on screen and not just something obscuring the, the, the frame <laughs> at the beginning of the movie. Because, I mean, you um, we grew up with some of the older Disney movies, stuff like the Peter Pan and, and all of that. And that's basically just like a drawn art from the film. And you have like this, this, like some kind of song playing and it's still shots. And it's just a bunch of names you can't read as a German kid. So you are um, <laughs> basically just... Uh, <laughs> so, so you are basically just um, uh, stuck with some boring music and some uh, boring still shots when you just want to watch a movie. So usually as a kid, you skip over them. And then later you learn what that actually is. And then you um, learn to appreciate it. And that's how it went for me. But yeah, I mean, if you... Um, no, if you look around, opening titles are all over the place, but what's basically the only thing you saw in front of a movie. 
uh, because nowadays you have much much more of like the end titles, the very very expensive end title sequences. Uh, but yeah, so, so they're they're just all around. So you say the end titles are expensive. Like, what? Why is that? Oh no, I, I, mean, I just mean in the way that um, I mean the like standard end titles is basically screen goes to black and then you have like directed by Christopher Nolan and that's it like, just like black right. screen white text and you just have one credit after the other with some music but without any like art so that's basically I mean oh. that's, it, it does the trick and it can be and it can be fitting yeah. and intriguing for the movie but it's not very interesting mm. to look at and it's really not expensive like I can do that with my editing program for no money everybody can do that non-expensive I see I see. Okay, sorry, yeah. I misheard. Yeah. No, no, but that's what I mean. I mean, uh, because there are also end title sequences which have much more value, which are actually animated or they are montages uh, and they have a different function. Like, end titles function differently. They are basically like the curtain call at the end of a play. Like, sometimes they can be mm -hmm. used as an epilogue to the story or as a recap showing you like stylized frames of the film or original art which represents the film and they are also a chance for the audience to ramp down so to speak like maybe the film ended on a huge high note or surprise and now's the time to reflect on it a bit before you get up and leave or maybe it's just some stalling before you get to see an extra scene even before a regular credit crawl <laughs> and so you have ton <laughs> so you have uh, tons of movies which have very very uh, expensive and title sequences which are which have animations uh, which have like uh, photos from the film whatever it can be sometimes it even plays over the last scene of a film I think there's like a George Clooney mm. movie that does that but the name escapes me and uh, but yeah it's um, it's, it's it's a little bit different and uh, it's it's debatable what which method is preferable of course but I just love it when they go the extra mile and actually do something that is visually amazing to look at for the titles you talk about the end scenes and I, I the first thing that comes to mind is the end credits of of the Mandalorian TV show where they show the concept oh, yeah. art for the for the show and of course that incredible score that they have um, playing over. But I now that I think about it, Mandalorian doesn't have an opening title sequence really. They just kind of boom mm -hmm. go into it. So that's very interesting that it is a way to recap. So I guess you're right. Like the the opening title sequence, if it has it, it I think the best way for you to describe when you describe it was an overture. That's an incredible way to describe it. Uh, like it gets you ready for the movie. What are some movies that you absolutely love the intro for oh um well some of my favorite opening title sequences for example one of the first ones that comes to mind is uh, watchmen uh, Zack snyder's watchmen which has an opening scene uh, which goes on uh -huh. for a couple of minutes and then we jump into the opening credits i don't know if you've watched it it has been years i just watched the watchmen tv show on hbo just finished it, that which was incredible and i know that and i was a huge fan of the comic uh, the graphic novel, but I can't remember the opening. Was there like a lot of fighting? Like, did wasn't it like a, like a lot, a lot of like like an action scene kind of going through for the opening sequences? No, not really. There's an action scene in the opening scene, uh, which which shows like an, uh, a brawl between two people and a murder, the murder of the character, the comedian, and then it goes from the murder into the titles, into the opening titles, which are basically like um, very very ultra slow mo moments 
which take you to this history of this alternate reality. So, for example, you have um, like uh, which which shows like a newspaper uh, footage of like uh, America has won the Vietnam War and all of that. So you are uh, the, the titles uh, take you into this world and show you oh this. Uh, different things happened here and uh, they, they show you these different scenarios uh, while the titles play and you have uh, uh, times are changing that famous song and it's a great way to uh, get you ready for the movie it, it's very very long I mean just just like the film itself but there, there are a lot of people in it <laughs> and um... <laughs> But it, it also it, it fits the movie in a way, like in a very very dramatic, uh, comic booky, uh, over the top stylized way. It shows you moments from this alternate reality, and also shows you some moments which you can't quite uh, pinpoint yet. Like what is this supposed to mean? And when you watch the movie, you get to that specific scene, and you're like, oh, mm. so this was from the point of view of this character. And now I know more about this character and all of that. Like, with, uh, if you don't know the comic and you watch that opening sequence, which was the case for me, I didn't read the comic before watching the movie, I read it later. I didn't know who all these characters were, but the title still did the job of introducing me to this world. And I was like, okay, here's the superhero. Okay, here's like this blue guy who I guess is also some kind of superhero. I don't know. And, and then you find <laughs> out later in the movie uh, the context or everything. But it still shows you enough to get this world. And it's an amazing way to to start that movie, and it's it, it tells a story on top of that, and that's what I love so much about those titles. I didn't realize how how important that would be because for me, someone who had read the the graphic novel before watching the movie, like that would just be not not white noise, but like just part of the whole movie in and of itself. But for someone who didn't, that completely introduces you to the world and gets that job done. I didn't look at it from that point of view oh i like that what's a what's another film like this is fun this is fun let's do it let's do another now i have to watch uh watchman yeah yeah let's keep going uh, talking of tim burton uh talking of tim burton i think one of his best title sequences was for ed wood uh, about the famous bad director uh, which doesn't feature oh. any Elfman score of that was Howard Shore but it is a fantastic title sequence which just uh, takes you through this trashy world of the director Edward D. Wood Jr. like it shows you the, 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 the Kraken it even shows you like the octopus stock footage it shows you like cheap UFOs flying through the sky and uh, the music is absolutely fantastic like evokes that period and those types of film scores which were there at the time it's, it's an absolutely great sequence and most Tim Burton films actually have those great openings be it Mars Attacks with the flying UFOs, uh, being at Edward Scissorhands where you have like uh, where all these different pictures from the castle. Um, I really I especially love uh, the title sequence for The Sleepy Hollow which uh, isn't a, a sequence on its own especially just we are following this carriage to Sleepy Hollow with Johnny Depp in it and we uh, and one of the one of the things which uh, stuck out to me when I first watched it I think it was, I was like 15 16 when it shows like like the credit over the nightly carriage like going through the forest and and when it shows the credit music by Danny Elfman it has like this huge orchestral crescendo right at that moment <laughs> and and I was like, uh, and even even Tim Burton uh, comments on that in the audio commentary, which is really funny. Like, oh, really? Danny Elfman gave himself a big one there. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is great. I love that. And so, yeah, most Tim Burton films uh, have those great openings. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2 are very specific um, cases where it basically oh, shows yeah. you a scene and the titles uh, play over it, but it's still 
uh, it is a uh -huh. great chance to to play a song and you have like that and, and both of them are dance sequences the first one is just peter crow right. dancing by himself which immediately gets you into his character and the second one of course is like this great animated one shot with just Groot dancing while the others are fighting a monster and it's it's wonderful gosh it's so funny because when you say those i just remember those as really good scenes as opposed to the opening yeah. title sequence which is what they are like i just think of them as part of the movie but you're right there's a whole lot going on there as well that it's a great way to get the opening title sequences but also make it feel part of the movie so those are very seamless those feel very seamless to me it's interesting that you bring up guardians of the galaxy because the the composer for that was also the composer for uh the zack snyder's uh watchman yeah and then i was looking up ed wood and it's howard shore is the uh is the composer for that one i adore Howard Shore. I think he's an absolute genius. So that's great. You mentioned some great score composers. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, in both in both of those cases, uh, in, in, in Guardians of the Galaxy and Watchmen, you don't have a score over those scenes. It's just a pop song uh, or, or a rock song in another case. But yeah, it's, it, it right. fits very, very well and you still have them in the credits. Uh, which, uh, which you brought up an interesting point because um, not to be too negative, uh, but I actually don't like it when the opening credits just appear in the corner while the opening scene is already playing. Oh, which interesting. Kind of, like, yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie kind of fall into that trap, but it still puts enough emphasis on that where you can read everything. Because um, in my opinion, doing it like that uh, shows little respect for the people who worked on this film, for one, and can also oh. be hugely distracting. Like, am, am I supposed to read the credits or follow the scene currently playing? I see your point. So you would prefer something to like, let's, something we brought up before, Beetlejuice, which is just kind of a scroll over a town, getting you, uh, introducing you to the score itself and the, you know, the different motifs that are going to be going into there, as opposed to the Guardians of the Galaxy, which feels like it's just the, the, the script is on there just just to get it out of the way. I see what you're saying. But it's it's still in 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 Guardians of the Guardians of the Galaxy. They do it. They do it in a better way because um, when when for example when the first Guardians uh, started and uh, it just shows like it, it shows the ship landing on the planet and then the titles just appeared in the corner. I was like, oh no, really? This movie's doing this. And then <laughs> uh, it, it shows it shows the act it, it shows the actor credits while he's going into that like rainy temple. And then he starts, you know, he he, he uh, takes his mask off and then he turns on his Walkman and he dances. And then you see the, the actually movie title, Guardians of the Galaxy. And I was like, okay, no, no, I'm totally in. And then they show the rest of the titles while he's dancing. I was like, no, this is working brilliantly. This was basically just uh, an intro for the intro, like uh, just uh, being dramatic at first. And then it's just this fun dance sequence. And it's the same thing with with uh, with a second one there's a lot going on of course but they draw enough uh, attention to the credits themselves and they space them out enough so you can read them and still follow the dance scene that okay so they even though that's not something you prefer guardians of the galaxy actually does a good job even <laughs> even if it isn't the way that you wanted it to go they do a better job of it i i see yeah. what would be a bad version of that then what where where the, oh uh, do i have one candidate for you okay uh, one bad example of this i have <laughs> one bad example of this i've seen recently was for maleficent mistress of evil the, the oh. sequel to angelina jolie fairy film um, i think it was from 2019 yeah pretty sure it was and uh, because after the pre-title scene 
uh, we get this very big sweeping camera move through like forests and swarms and castles as the titles appear. Just the camera just flies through this like computer generated setting and all of that. But on top of that, we have narration going on, which describes how things currently are with the characters, like important information. And you also have loud orchestral music. And it was such a sensory overload that I had the feeling I was going cross-eyed. <laughs> and, and at that time, there was also uh, lines across the screen with the with the cast and crew and everything yeah yeah it was like like disney presents uh, music by directed by the director of photography blah 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 you have all of that then you have this like very like vertigo like camera zoom like just flying like uh, as if it was like this big huge drone shot and on top of that you have narration of a person like now the characters are doing this and now this is going to happen and it's and yeah all of that at the same time and it was just, that was like, that's the, the, the best bad example I have. And that happened recently. That's going to make me watch these with a much more critical eye. As opposed to, <laughs> I I want to go back and look at now the, because my, my favorite movies are the Indiana Jones trilogy. Those are my absolute favorite movies of all time. Mm. Love those. Loved them since I was a kid. Uh, like my family didn't watch like Star Wars or anything like that. My dad didn't like sci-fi or anything, but like action adventure, those were in there. So I'm going to have to actually watch those for the 10,000th time <laughs> and look at their opening title sequences. Because I remember like right now I'm trying to remember Raiders of the Lost Ark. They have that whole backdrop where now, now that I'm remembering it, where everybody's going across screen and you're just kind of seeing Indiana Jones is back and his, the, his porters mm -hmm. are helping him along. And then I think in, and then Temple of Doom, they have that 90 minute dance sequence that comes out of nowhere. Um, so that's that, that one. And then for Last Crusade, they have that whole scene where they're, he's running away from the other archaeologists. So Gosh, that's nuts to think about. So those probably wouldn't be ones that you would enjoy because there's too much going on. No, but in 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 the case of both um, Crusade and Raiders, it's it's just those slow pacing scenes. We just see people riding or going through right. a certain environment, uh -huh. and there's not really dialogue going on. It's just like establishing shots, and then you have just like the titles pop up. But I think in that one, they wanted to evoke. Uh, the feeling of those like old timey adventure films yeah. where I didn't really think about like the the art form of titles, and so I didn't mind that. And in Temple of Doom, as much as I don't really like that movie, that is actually a title sequence. They just have a dance scene, and <laughs> right. the titles come out come on screen in big letters. And so no, that's a proper title sequence. And then in uh, yeah, like, like the fourth one, uh, oh. I always forget the name. We don't, we don't speak uh, of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We don't what? speak of that one. That one's not spoken. Oh, yeah. Crystal Skull. But, but yeah. All right. All right. No problem. But, uh, <laughs> but they, they, yeah, they, 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 went, they went backwards with that one in terms of titles. But, but they still did a good job of setting the time uh, while the titles were just playing. But, yeah, actually, what, I, what I've realized, Spielberg is actually really bad with title sequences most Interesting. of the time. Interesting. Um, because uh, because um, when you watch, I mean, uh, one of the like one of like proper title sequences mostly is like Jaws, right. and uh, but but mostly uh, in his older movies you just have like um, black uh, background and then you have uh, the, the the titles appear uh, either in in the beginning or at the end at least at the end of like um, 
uh, what was it, uh, Close Encounters of a Third Kind, mm-hmm. where you at least have like some cool visuals while the end credits are, are playing, but, and uh, great music too. But uh, most of his modern films have just like uh, very unspectacular end, end credits sequences. It's not even a sequence. It's Like I said, it's just like a black background and you have like the text directed by Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg, which was really disappointing to me in case of um, Ready Player One. Well, so like this movie just screams for a great <laughs> right. outro title sequence. And instead, it just shows you this boring font over a black screen and i was like no this is really not what this deserves one of his best the best title sequence he has ever done for any of his movies like one of them of course and they are pretty similar catch me if you can has a great opening title sequence um, which is actually animated and uh, it takes you basically it's basically like a short version of a movie you're Hmm. about to see which basically shows you like okay this is this guy and he chases this guy and um, another one which is similar to that was the adventures of Tintin, like the, the Belgium comic adaptation he did in uh, 3D motion mm-hmm. capture, um, which has one of the best title sequences I've ever seen because it's basically it tells an own story which has nothing to do with a movie. It's basically just here's another adventure of this guy before we see the actual adventure of the movie and you have tons of easter eggs to the comics in the background or even in the foreground going on like so many references to covers and stories of the other comic books and it's it's such a it's basically a nerd fest like for people who love those Mm -hmm. comic books like i did as a kid but it's it's such a great way to get you into the mood and it has a great uh, John Williams theme going on there it's visually it's it's one of the best title sequences I've ever seen but mostly he's actually pretty boring with titles Spielberg of all people right with such spectacular films I mean some of my favorite films of all time not not even including Indiana Jones uh, like Jurassic Park and I mean just such some incredible films um, that he's done yeah you're right one of the ones that comes to mind, like, mm-hmm. as you were talking, I'm thinking, like, I remember as a kid loving the opening sequence of uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Because they did this entire, like, they had they did this entire, like, cartoon devoted to it. All of the names were written in fun ways for the for the rest of the crew. Are you, do, you, do you remember this film? Absolutely. No, that's a great sequence. It's absolutely fantastic, which of kind of, uh, which could throw you for a loop when the actual movie starts and it's not animated because <laughs> I had that case before in the past. Right. I think for National, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, I think has an animated opening titles, which is basically shows just like Santa Claus getting into uh, trouble right. like like yeah. burning himself on uh, in the chimney or something and then the act because I remember uh, uh, like we we went through the channels as kids and when we saw that sequence that opening sequence oh something animated nice so it, it's animated so cool it's something for kids so so we stayed <laughs> and then the actual movie starts it's live action and we were like right. oh no <laughs> oh man yeah, though that's that that's definitely a huge bait and switch right there for sure. Gosh, now I as you're saying this, it's so funny. All I can do now is just picture my childhood and the title sequences of the movies that I loved. And it's all I want to do is just like name them off. Like, oh, I like this one. Oh, I like this one. Oh, I like this one. And it, it, I could just name them off so much. I, I want to ask you. I want to ask you too. 
Who's your favorite film composer? Like who who who's your favorite? Oh my yeah, my actually favorite film composer is actually Danny Elfman, closely followed by uh, John Powell. Uh, they, they both do a great jobs, but yeah, Danny Elfman, he was one of the first ones where I actually really noticed, oh, mm-hmm. this guy is great. And so I, I pretty much have, I have all of the soundtracks pretty much on CD. Like mm. I, I, I went high and low to actually find all of them. And uh, I even uh, met him in person at a concert a couple no of years way. ago. That's great. Was he was he nice? <laughs> he was incredibly nice. Yeah, it was uh, basically just he had a couple of minutes. It was after a concert, and I uh, went up to him, uh, brought a couple of like uh, a booklet uh, like covers uh, for from my CDs, and yeah, and, and he signed them. Just I had, I had the chance to just speak for, uh, just a few words to him. I was like, no, your your work means so much for me. And he was right. like, thanks. He was a very laid back, very nice. That's great. Who's uh, Powell? I don't. I'm not fully familiar. What movies? Is, what movies have has he done? Oh, for example, he did the uh, How to Train Your Dragon trilogy. Oh, those are fantastic. Oh, there's a there's a Sigur Row song in the middle of the opening title sequence for. How to Train Your Dragon 2 that honestly brings tears to my eyes every time I watch it. That's a great soundtrack. Yeah, he, he based on Powell's themes, yeah, that, that's a great song. Yeah, he composed those. He did a lot of DreamWorks stuff. He did uh, Kung Fu Panda together with Hans Zimmer. Mm-hmm. He did Ants. Um, he did uh, a lot of uh, stuff for Blue Sky. He did most of the Ice Age movies. Um, he did also some live-action stuff. He did uh, almost like the entire... Uh, like all of the Bourne films, oh. basically, like a, a totally different wheelhouse. Uh-huh. But yeah, he did those too. Um, one of the one of the later things he did, like just in twenty twenty, his only work was The Call of the Wild, which was off by one of the How to Train Your Dragon directors uh-huh. with Harrison Ford and an animated dog. <laughs> you know what? I, we watched that film, and I do remember enjoying the score. We were just watching Back to the Future, and I. All, like, this was yesterday. I always thought that it was John Williams and it's Alan Silvestri. And I cannot believe that I got them mixed up. Like, I feel really bad for Alan because, like, I just always attribute it to John Williams for some reason. And that's wrong. That's wrong because that's a great film. One of my favorite film scores. Oh, absolutely. But, but what's funny is that at, at one point, actually, for Ready Player One, a Spielberg film, Alan Silvestri actually did replace John Williams because John Williams didn't have time. And, uh, so, so Alan Silvestri wrote for Spielberg for an actually full-blown Spielberg movie. So that was, and, and Spielberg executive produced a lot of films Alan Silvestri worked on, Back to the Future among them. So it was kind of like coming full circle. I mean, these such talent. Uh, well, now all I want to do is watch movies that I love and critique their opening title sequence. I actually hope everyone else <laughs> is going to do that too. Um, that's oh, I'm so, I'm really you know what this does. This ignites my curiosity on movies I've already seen. That's what this does because it's gonna make me pay attention to the movies, new movies. But right now, at this point, new is coming out that I even want to watch. Uh, nothing's being produced or released at this point, <laughs> and so it makes me want to go back and watch all of the films that I that I love again, and maybe just for the first five minutes, <laughs> just first five minutes of the movie to really get the good feeling. Well, um, that that can be helped because as I figured out, because I studied, I, I studied film for a couple of years uh, at an academy and uh, for film directing and all of that. And uh, one of the uh, people who taught there uh, brought something to our attention, which is a website called artofatitle.com, which features title sequences like end title sequences and also opening title sequences both from films and tv and even some video games i think too and it's basically just video files 
of title sequences and also in uh, in special cases or in a lot of cases interviews with the people who did those titles and like with histories there and like credits of who did what and you can see like behind the scenes footage of um how they did those sequences or what was the original idea for those sequences like artofthetitle.com that's the perfect uh, address for people who want to check out that art form i just so i just typed it in Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Lassa, this is amazing. This is a great... Okay, this, uh, listeners, this will be included in the show notes. Go to this. It is a it is an incredible website. Just ready to go. I'm going to... This is, this is how I'm going to spend my entire week just watching this. I am so excited right now. This is fantastic. They have so many, so many movies there. Like old and new. Like some really, really classic ones too. And a lot of uh, new stuff. And also like some really, really cool behind the scenes stuff. Like I said, for example, there is a title sequence I really enjoyed. And then title sequence for uh, The Huntsman Winter's War. Which was the sequel for Snow White and the Huntsman with Chris Hemsworth. And uh, they, they show in the ending, uh, in, in the uh, end credits sequence... Uh, show for example like a crown a golden crown being smashed by an axe and it looks like 3d animation and then i i watched by, like a behind the scenes clip and over actually had a crown and in super slow motion they filmed like an axe on like a stick smashing it and then they they they, they took that and put it into that sequence and i think they like they, they might have like animated over that maybe it was just for reference but yeah the the, the painstaking work people go through for for things that which people might even not pay attention to like most people just get up as soon as the movie ends so that's really really great how how much work goes into those and how much people are actually uh willing to to spend time on those yeah looking at it like it goes all the way back like the most recent one on the site is the most recent one is the queen's gambit and then like we're going all the way back to 1920 and like 1924 for like Metropolis and 1927, like they're doing, I mean, the, the they're spanning the entire uh, art form basically at this point. Ah, well, I mean, you, you just absolutely nailed that ending. Absolutely. Way to stick the landing on that right there. Fantastic advice. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, well, this episode may be coming to an end, but the work is just beginning. Uh, Lasse has given us the TV guide um, the uh, and then now a website to become fans of title sequences. And for the response edition of this episode, uh, Alisa and I will be spending the week taking as much of his advice as we can fit in, and then we'll report back to you in the aforementioned response episode. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you'll try his advice, or if you can add more to the conversation with your own expertise, or some of your favorite title sequences, or something that you learned this week, please, uh, uh, you can you can call us on the like line at 661-279-0130. Uh, you can email us at I like the like things podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at like2, that's the number two, like2, like things. Uh, and I'll read or play any messages that you leave for me on the show. Now, of course, we always like to remind everybody that we will only accept positive uh, communication because we're all about non-toxic fandom. Um, and he is on this show uh, spreading the good word about title sequences, so we just want to hear about 
um, about what you think positively. Uh, you can also support us on uh, Patreon at patreon.com slash I like to like things. Uh, so Lasse, uh, tell us where people can find you. Uh, well, um, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Lasse Vogt, where I am uh, a little bit more negative or at least critical of certain things, but you still can find <laughs> plenty of stupid things to enjoy there. Um, I have a um, YouTube channel, not much going on there, but there you can at least find my short films if you're interested. One of them is about a um, critic who gets paid uh, to write good reviews for bad movies, uh, which I'm pretty <laughs> proud of, short film, uh, with English subtitles. So um, everything going on for you there. Um, I have I have so much, which, that's the problem. I have um, a soundtrack blog, uh, scorekeek.wordpress.com. If you know German, uh, you can read my opinions on film scores there. I'm very proud of that one, too. I even had like feedback given by certain composers uh, for my... Uh, Thank God, just for the positive ones. I, I can't imagine what anybody thought when I gave like a negative review to this to a score. But that must have been awful. <laughs> um, there uh, and of course there are my podcasts. Uh, my own podcast is called Fans About Films. You can find it on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, like I said, I talk uh, with with fans about films and also with composers about their work, and it's a great fun. We have German and English episodes. Then we have entirely in English. It's a '90s Christmas podcast. Uh, together with Lyle Perez, we talk about '90s Christmas nostalgia, and it's media. It's uh, great fun. Currently, uh, a break going on for for a pretty long time now, but we will be back. Don't worry. And until then, you have plenty of uh, great episodes to enjoy, and we have a great fan base, which uh, we truly love so much. I'm also, if you, uh, by any chance, are speaking German, I am part of the German uh, podcast network Telestammtisch, where we talk about all the current releases, and we get, like, review screeners for them, and we get sent to the cinema, like, for critic screeners. Lately, not so much, but um, we still get, like, review screeners of them, so we can uh, discuss them as they come out. They are a great bunch of people, so much fun with them. Please check them out, if you Uh, speak German, of course. And I think that's pretty much it with all of my stuff. Loads of stuff going on. But uh, yeah, I, I actually think I nailed all of that down. <laughs> you are a busy, busy, busy man. And so that makes me appreciate you coming on my show I even more. I, I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I, I, all I can say is thank you so much for having me here because uh, your show is absolutely amazing. And I was very, very happy that you responded so quickly and, and said, yeah, yeah, come on in because this show is great. And I recommend it. Uh, I did recommend it already to several people and uh, keep up the good work, man. It's fantastic. That, that, that just, that makes, that makes my heart sing right there. That's, that makes me so happy. Gosh, thank you so much. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so I will see you all next week when the mission is accomplished. And remember, we can make the world a little brighter, a little friendlier, and a little more enjoyable by liking a few more things. <laughs>